welcome to episode two of this mini-series on health and inclusion. I'm Ashley Mueller with the GCSP, and in this episode, Fleur and Johanna look at diversity and policy. So within these systems that you mentioned, we need to shift them. Um, yeah. What is visible and who is visible within that system? And from a gender perspective, we've developed a, a policy brief recently on applying a gender lens. And this is really encouraging us to think about the different needs of people, whether they be men, women, boys or girls, or those affected by socioeconomic status, um, ability, disability, ethnicity, race, race and age. Some of those differential needs are not always visible, um, I, would su- I would suggest. Um, and those people don't always have the access to the rights and benefits of any policy or the ability to participate in developing, implementing and evaluating those policies. Do you think these kind of lenses need to come into play more strongly? We need to gather disaggregated data. We need to see who's missing what we're not seeing before we can really design better systems. I absolutely think so. And it's a fairly sort of abstract concept for what really is basically, are we in a strange way Do our systems serve the customer well? I mean, we almost take some sort of for-profit language around that and think about who is the end user and how are they being served? What was striking about NCDs in general was that in particularly from middle-income countries, about 20 years ago, you know, countries were starting to say, wait, our main challenge is is not so much infectious disease, so much uh, the sort of the the challenges that that donors are, are saying, um, should, you know, are the major challenges. It, it, we really are having a transition to, to chronic disease and health systems had been built up largely around infectious disease, largely around challenges that were very much, you know, of the, t- of the, of the earlier, late, the, late in the last century and early in this century and had not really recognized this transition. So there was a, there was a data mismatch at the outset and, uh, and a demand um, sort of muffling um, at the outset that, that has helped contribute to our current situation, but also that's pretty typical um, in, in the kind of the way a lot of sort of global strategies get implemented at national level without that level of understanding and hearing perhaps the local realities. And so I think it's, it's a model of understanding and listening to, again, that, that end user. I think there's also a piece of here about what are what are the lived experience realities that are affecting you know that that are affecting the affected in a way what are what what is the what are data there that that are not being captured in existing in existing sort of mechanisms and surveillance systems that we have and and that has to do with um, I think what you're you're speaking about which which could be seen as empowerment or could be seen as sort of again better better articulation of, of the needs of the end user. I think we see that a lot in the in the patient space in in global health, where the individual with lived experience is often not consulted, quite frankly, or mm. consulted in a very kind of a little bit as an afterthought. Helen Clark is overseeing the um, independent advisory board to look at the um, at how the COVID, you know, WHO and the and the COVID response. And uh, Helen Clark is a brilliant and wonderful person. I'm extraordinarily lucky that she's doing that, but. I, I did, you know, raise that point of, you know, do you have individuals with lived experience of COVID on your on your committee? Because what we what we wind up a lot of times is with with committees of experts, whose expertise is is absolutely not to be, you know, is airtight, and yet that expertise of lived experience is often missing in a lot of these commissions, and it's something that I think we need to do. Yeah. And it's taking that diversity and inclusion argument a step further, isn't it? Yeah. So that um, it's not just within our organisations; it's who we mm-hmm. consult. Um, as well, who we integrate into our decision-making and policy-making. 
Um, yeah. And also seeing from a practical tool point of view, that design thinking of putting the, the person who you're trying to, to meet the needs of at the center of the policy design and development is critical. Yeah. Um, and we're certainly using empathy mapping and many tools are publicly available now to really try and Great. help our participants to, to think in that way. Yes. So, Joanna, I think we've certainly established the need to build back better. We need systems that talk to each other. Uh, we talk about holistic security at the GCSP, really trying to see security as um, not just about military or state needs, but about human security needs, applying these different lenses, joining the dots across different thematic areas of expertise. Um, we certainly valued this discussion uh, today and hearing how health is playing out, um, both in terms of health outcomes, but also in terms of poverty and inclusion, the inequality that we're seeing that's growing and what we need to do about it. Do you have any takeaways for our listeners? If they were to go away from this podcast uh, and to think about one thing that they could do to, to try within their sphere of influence, uh, make a change. Um, do you have any thoughts on what some actions might be? Well, that's a, that's a wonderful point. So I think, first of all, I just want to say from the, from the health perspective, individual health security, I would say is universal health coverage in many ways. It's, it's really having access to, to the health system. So, so that, and, and so if one, if you have that, then first of all, just the first thing you can do is be very grateful for that. And the second is to do what you can to try to improve that health system and, and improve access for others. The other is to, what, what's interesting in some ways in, in this space is that one, once you boil down to how much of this is also driven by food and by uh, physical activity, the solutions become, in a strange way, incredibly simple. And, it's, and they're solutions that we can all share if we have access to them. The access is a problem, but the solutions are to eat a healthy diet, to move around, to take a long walk and to be really grateful for that. It sounds, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible privilege that we all, that we have to, to eat well, to, to live in community with one another. Those are, those are really the solutions um, at the individual level that I hope we all appreciate and will work to make possible for as many people as possible in the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Johanna. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Um, and I hope that technology and this democratisation of information, making it more free and accessible, whether it's a workout video or a food plan um, or allowing people to collaborate uh, and bulk order healthy foods and grow their own and learn and figure out how to do things um, more locally, as you said. Uh, I think the solutions are out there. We just need to have the agency and the determination to find them. On this 25th anniversary, Johanna, I know you've been a close friend of the GCSP and now Associate Fellow. You've directed a course, um, you've written articles, um, and you've certainly helped to grow our network. Do you have any thoughts on the value of a centre like GCSP as it celebrates its 25th anniversary? So I have a huge amount of appreciation for Geneva Center for Security Policy, GCSP. Um, and the reason I said the name, you know, sort of spelled it out was to to clarify that when I first came to GCSP, I had no experience in health security, or I didn't realize I did. I was a, I was a non-communicable disease person. I'd been really focused in that area for a long time, but I was also confronting the fact that I was um, needing to step back from my content area and really think more broadly and holistically about global health. I was, I felt like I was sort of saying the same thing, doing the same thing, really, really, really needed to take a bigger view. Coming into um, sort of looking much more broadly at global health security itself was incredibly valuable. I learned a lot. I hope I provided some useful input from my own background and, and, and areas of expertise. 
But what I thought was most important was something that I think the world needs much more of, and especially in a way, the world of a place like Geneva, where there's lots of thought leadership, which was, it was to step out of my comfort zone. I did not know much about the security area. Uh, my father was a military historian, so I grew up with a bit of it, but I really did not know much about this area. I certainly was not. Uh, there was much that was, was unfamiliar to me. And in fact, there was quite a bit that was uncomfortable to me. And I say that in a very deliberate way. I think we need to, to be uncomfortable in order to be able to work across sectors and to work uh, effectively to address the kinds of societal problems that we have, the kinds of existential threats that we're facing, we cannot sit in our own comfort zones, our own areas of expertise, our own familiar silos. And to do so is to, is to be sometimes uncomfortable. And I thought that there was an ethos, a, a spirit at GCSB of being uncomfortable, of being creative, of saying, okay, you don't know what you're doing, do it anyway. Jump right in. Why don't you go you know, write a paper on this? teach a module on that, go engage with these individuals or those individuals. And that very um, spirit, which is harder as you get older, when you have an established, you're established professional, you're supposed to not show that you don't know what you're talking about, was so incredibly valuable. And very much, I think Christian um, plays a big part in that. I think he's got a great vision. I think there's just a, an energy and environment um, at GCSP that contributes to that. It's also taking advantage of the fact that Geneva is a place where lots of different people land uh, and, and bringing those people into this sphere. So I think those are, the, those are the things that I'm so tremendously grateful for and that have really, in fact, significantly altered my thinking and the kind of work that I do. And so I, I just really, really uh, hope and look forward to the next 25 years of GCSP to not grow old and comfortable and middle-aged, but to keep that sense of stay uncomfortable because by staying uncomfortable, we can solve the kinds of problems that really, really need cooperation and collaboration and discomfort. Amazing. Thanks so much. That's all we have now for this mini-series on health and inclusion. Thank you to Ms. Fleur Hayworth and Johanna Ralston for this important conversation. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple iTunes, follow us on Spotify and SoundCloud. Click the next button to get to the next episode and discover more from our 25th anniversary special podcast series.